Because of what Jesus said and did, people wondered who Jesus was. His followers said to him, some people say you were John the Baptist, come back to life. Some say you were Elijah or one of the other prophets. What about you, Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Jesus' follower Peter spoke up, you are the Messiah. But Jesus told them not to tell anyone yet. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and two of the other disciples, James and John, high up on a mountain. When they got to the top, Jesus' appearance suddenly changed. His face shined like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Two men appeared next to him. They were Moses and Elijah. Then a voice came from the clouds, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. The disciples fell down terrified when they got up and opened their eyes, only Jesus remained. From there, Jesus and his followers traveled to Jerusalem for a huge festival. Jesus went to the temple to share some of his thoughts with the crowd. There, the religious leaders became very angry at what Jesus was teaching. They knew he was claiming that he was the Messiah, the king they'd been waiting for. Enraged, they picked up stones to kill Jesus, but he managed to escape. After leaving Jerusalem, Jesus continued to teach and perform miracles. He heard that one of his good friends, Lazarus, was sick. So Jesus and the disciples traveled to where he lived. When they arrived, they discovered that Lazarus had been dead for four days. Jesus went to the tomb where Lazarus was buried, had the stone rolled away, and raised him from the dead. Soon it was time to go back again to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Two of his followers brought Jesus a meal to ride on as he came into the city. When he did, huge crowds gathered along the streets shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The crowds loved Jesus, but it didn't take long before he began clashing with the religious leaders again. He exposed their corruption and threatened their authority. So the leaders began devising a plan to get Jesus arrested. They met with Judas, one of Jesus' followers, who agreed to turn Jesus in to the authorities in exchange for some money. Then, the religious leaders waited for the right opportunity to arrest him. Cato is a pastor and an author, and he wrote a book called Just Like Jesus. And he tells a story uh, coming out of his own life that I think is a powerful picture for us as we, as we reflect on the question this morning, who is Jesus? Max was talking about a time when he was interpreting, he was in Brazil, and he was interpreting from English to Spanish for the people who were there to hear a sermon preached by somebody else. Listen to what Max Lucado said. He said, my job was to convey his story to the listeners. I did my best to allow his words to come through me. I was not at liberty to embellish or subtract. When the speaker gestured, I gestured. As his volume increased, so did mine. When he got quiet, so did I. Then he goes on to say this. Jesus came to allow God to speak through him 
When God gestured, he gestured. When God rose his voice, raised his voice, he raised his voice. When God wept, Jesus wept. Jesus said it this way. He said, the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. When you have seen me, Jesus said, you have seen the Father. Everything that Jesus did was a complete representation, a full representation of the heart and the mind of God himself. Why? Because he was God in human flesh. And he surrendered his will to the Father in such a way that everything he said came from the Father. Everything he did came from the Father. I want to suggest to you, friends, that this is how you and I are to live. We are to live in perfect, complete obedience to the Father. When the Father speaks, we speak. When the Father gestures, we gesture. When the Father weeps, we weep. When God celebrates, we celebrate. We are to be a complete, perfect reflection of the Father. Now, the problem is we are sinful people. We will never be able to do it as Jesus did it. But he is the representation of what it means to be fully human. Because we were created to live in obedience to God. This morning, we're going to ask the very important question, who is Jesus? Who is he? Because, friends, that is the most important question that we have to answer. Here is what I want you to see this morning. Whoops. We see this question. Who do you say that Jesus is? There was a psychiatrist who wrote that the, most, the two most important questions you will ever have to answer in your life is this. Who am I and where am I going? Now, I will admit those are important questions. But what I will say to you this morning is that you cannot answer those questions apart from your relationship and understanding of Jesus Christ. Who I am, who I am as I define who I am, is given perspective, is given light by my relationship with Christ. I cannot, as a Christian, define who I am apart from the one who created me. I cannot define who I am apart from the one who is the Lord of my life. And so, friends, that most important question, according to the psychiatrist, cannot be, cannot be answered apart from understanding who God is and answering first the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? In the same way, that question, that incredibly important question, where am I going? What is my purpose? What is my design? That question cannot be answered apart from my relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. He created me for a purpose. He is the one who gives me meaning. He is the one who gives me significance. He is the one who gives me purpose and design in my life. And so those incredibly important questions cannot be answered apart from the question, who is Jesus? I would say to you, that is the most important question you will ever respond to in your life. 
If you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 16. And I want to read from verses 13 to 15. And I love this. This is one of the most powerful, important passages you will ever read. It's one that I go back to often because it centers me. It reminds me who I am. It reminds me where I'm going. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? He's talking about the Messiah, the one they've been waiting for. He's talking about the Christ, the one, the anointed one of God, who the people were waiting for, for he would come and he would set the people free. They thought that he was going to set them free from Rome. But God was going to do something even greater. He was going to to set us free from the power that sin has in our lives. The power that death has in our lives. He was going to set us free from that which really matters. He says this. They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, And then Jesus asked this question. It's a question he asked you today. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Friends, the way you answer that question will determine the trajectory of the rest of your lives. The way that you answer that question will impact your eternal destination. Jesus asks each of us this morning, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? For about two and a half years, Jesus had been walking with his disciples. He had a large following, probably two to three hundred people, but the ones that, that really were close were the twelve that he had specifically chosen. He had chosen 12 that he would build into. He had chosen 12 that he would disciple. He had chosen 12 that would continue his ministry after he died, resurrected from the dead, ascended to heaven, and then received the Holy Spirit. And then once they received the Spirit of Jesus through the Holy Spirit, they would continue the ministry of Jesus. So it's those 12 that he really particularly built into. And he says to them, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? Friends, this is the question that we must answer. And so this morning, we want to answer that question. We're going to let, first of all, we're going to look at the testimony of Jesus. Who did Jesus say that he was? And then we're going to look at the testimony of others. And finally, we're going to look at what it means if we say Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are who you claim to be. Well, let's look at this together. Jesus claimed to be the great I am. Now, this is actually an incredible statement that Jesus made about himself. And it's one that caused the religious community to want to kill him. This is why they hated him first and foremost, because Jesus was claiming to be fully God. Listen to what he says here 
in John chapter 8, verses 57 to 59. Stay in Matthew 16, because we're going to go back to it. We read this. So the Jews said to him, you are not 50 years old, and yet you claim to have seen Abraham? Right? Abraham lived hundreds of years prior to the birth of Jesus. They're mocking him. They're mocking him. You are not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham. Jesus was about 30, 31, 32 at this point. Jesus said to them, truly, truly. Anytime Jesus says truly, truly, or it might be verily, verily in your translation, what he is going to say is of utmost importance. Always pay attention when you see those words. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham, I was. What? He said, before Abraham was even born, I was. I was there. I was present. Before Abraham, I existed. Now, this was an incredibly powerful statement, one that they would have really been shocked by. Then he said this, he says, before Abraham was, and if you have your own Bible, underline, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself, and he left the temple. Why was that such a, a, such a statement that was so charged that they would want to kill him? Well, if you go many years before, go all the way back to the book of Exodus, And what do we see? We see Moses standing before a burning bush. And what do we see happen there? We see God speaking to Moses and calling Moses to go to Egypt to free his people. Well, Moses is making up all sorts of excuses as to why he can't do that and why he won't do that. Finally, he says, who should I tell them is sending me? This is what it means. What is your name so that I have the authority to do what you're asking me to do? So God gives him his name. God says, I am. I am who I am. It's where we get the Hebrew name Jehovah, Yahweh. I am. So when Jesus says, I am, what is he claiming? He's claiming to be God. He's claiming to be the one who spoke to Moses. He's claiming to be the one who was prior to Abraham. He's claiming to be fully God, and yet at the same time, fully human. Because they can see him, they can touch him. They know that he's a man, but yet he's claiming to be God. You see, Jesus claimed to be God. Last week I shared with you a quote from C.S. Lewis, and he said that so many today want to say that Jesus was a great teacher, or Jesus um, did lots of great things for people. And what C.S. Lewis says is you you can't just accept that without looking at all that Jesus claimed. If Jesus believed that he was who he claimed to be, He was either insane, or he was a liar, or he is Lord of the universe. He's got to be one of those three. 
Who is Jesus? What do you believe about him? He claimed to be God. In fact, listen to some of the statements that he made in what we call the I am statements. He said, I am, again, he's claiming to be God. Jehovah, Yahweh, I am the good shepherd. Where does that image come from in the book of Psalms? Psalm what? Psalm 23, the great psalm. I am the good shepherd that David was speaking of. I am the good shepherd. He says, I am the bread of life, the manna that fed the people, the manna that fell from heaven. I am the bread that gives life. I am the light of the world. Do you, are you confused in your life? I am the light of the world. I am the one who pierces through darkness. He says, I am the door for the sheep. You and I are the sheep. I am the door that we go through in order to enter the presence of God. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus claimed. He claimed to be, he said, I am the true vine that is connected, that connects you to the Father. And then he said this, my favorite are the I am's. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said that. So if you want to say he was just a great teacher, he doesn't give you that option. He wasn't just a, a great leader. He doesn't give us that option. He was both, but he was more than that. He himself claimed to be fully God. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Many of you know my mom passed away in June. It was a, a, just a very tough loss for me. I'm a mama's boy. I love my mama. She passed away in June. And we were at this beautiful uh, cemetery in Corona Del Mar. And... Um, and I was reading the gravestones around where my mom was going to be laid. And I noticed it was all new age stuff. All frilly, nice little things that really mean nothing from my biblical perspective. And then on my mom's gravestone are these words. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Friends, Jesus claimed to be God. That is his claim. Then we read on, and we see that Jesus claimed to be the perfect representation of the Father. The perfect representation of the Father. I love the story. It's about a little five-year-old girl that she and her mom were in the kitchen. Mom was busy uh, doing dishes, cleaning things, and the little girl was drawing a picture. And she's there drawing a picture, and after a while, the mom looks at her and says, honey, what are you drawing? And she says, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the mom says, well, nobody's ever seen God. We don't know what he looks like. And the little girl says, they will when I'm done. <laughs> I love that confidence. I know what God looks like because I've seen Jesus in the Gospels. Now, I don't know what he's spirit but I know he's love I know he's just 
I know he's merciful. I know he's gracious. I know he's faithful. I know he has incredible patience. I know that he's tenacious. I know that, God, because I've seen Jesus. This is why I love reading the Gospels. When I read the Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament that tell the story of Jesus, I love to read that because I love to put myself in the position of whoever Jesus is talking to. And I identify with that person. And when Jesus responds, I'm receiving the words of God into myself. When Jesus says to the woman caught in the act of adultery, then neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. When I fail in life, I sit at the feet of Jesus as I read that and I hear the words of God, then neither do I condemn you, go and, and leave your life of sin. I read, as I read the scriptures, I enter into the story. And I, and because I know that I am seeing God in human flesh. And as Jesus responds, I know who God is. Because he's the full, complete representation of God. Listen to what we read in John 14. John 14 is amazing. I'm working on next year's sermon series. And I've been working on uh, maybe doing a series, uh, Easter series, looking just at John 14 and 15. But listen to what it says. Jesus says, if you had known me, Philip, you would have known my father also. Okay, if you had known me, Philip, if you had known me, Philip's one of his disciples, you would have known my father. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said to him, show us the father, Lord, show us the father and that's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and still you do not know me, Philip? He's the perfect representation of the Father. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Jesus is the perfect translator, revealing to us who the Father is, who God is. Now, we're talking the Trinity here. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. But what we're seeing here is that Jesus, he revealed God to us. Do you want to know God? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. We read on. And we look at the testimonies of others. First of all, the testimony of God himself. I love this. This comes from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 9. And what's happening here is what is called the transfiguration. The face of Jesus, he was glorified. The face of Jesus changed and his, his clothing became white. And standing with him were Moses and Elijah. And Peter and James and John got to see and witness all of this that is happening. But then the power of it, often that's where we leave it, but the power of it is the voice that boomed from heaven. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. 
It was the testimony of God himself that this is his son. Jesus is his son. This is the second time that it happened. Remember, it happened in the baptism as well. This is my son, God said, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus, uh, God himself, it was his testimony that Jesus was, not just, was more than a great man. He was more than a great teacher. He was more than a great moral example. He was more than a great leader. He was God and fully man. God in human flesh. And everything he did was a perfect reflection of the nature of God. He is what God intended us to be in terms of how we live our lives in full submission and obedience to God. And then the testimony of King David. The testimony of King David. I, I love this. This is an amazing truth and it's one that I, I want you to really reflect on as I read this. The Pharisees were gathered together. Remember, they're the religious elite and they're trying to get Jesus. This is late in the Gospel of Matthew. It's uh, not long before they are going to um, arrest Jesus and kill Jesus on the cross. So they're trying to trip him up. They're trying to catch him saying something that they can kill him for. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered there, Jesus asked them a question saying, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? Okay, now who is the Christ? Remember, uh, Christ is not the last name of Jesus. Christ means anointed one. Christ means Messiah. It was the one that the Old Testament spoke about. The one that was coming to set the captives free. The one that was coming to die for the sins of the people. The one that was coming who would change the world forever. They were waiting for him. Everybody was waiting for him. They know that Jesus has claimed to be the Christ, the Messiah. So they say, whose son is he? And, and, and so... I mean, Jesus asked him that. And how did they respond? They said, the son of David. He's the son of David. Now, what does that mean? David lived hundreds of years before Jesus. So what does that mean? Well, when you were somewhere in the lineage of someone, you could say that you were their son. I am in the lineage of Sam Houston. Pretty impressive, huh? I thought there would be, ooh, ah, um, but probably so are a lot of you, but you could say that I am the son of Sam Houston. Why? Because I come from his lineage. They know that the Messiah, the Christ, is going to come from the descendancy of David. So Jesus asked them this question, but then he's going to point them to the Old Testament. Listen to this now. Then he, so Jesus said to them, how is it then that David, who lived so many years ago, in the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, said these words. Called him Lord by saying, the Lord said to my Lord. I'll explain this in just a moment. It's powerful. Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David calls him Lord, how is he his son? No one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day did anyone dare ask him any more questions. 
Okay, here's what he's saying. Almost all the time, you read the word Lord in the Old Testament. It's referring to God. Okay, it almost always refers to God. The reason being is the name Jehovah or Yahweh was too holy to utter. You and I as sinful people, we couldn't utter the name of God without, without be, maybe being destroyed because of our sinfulness. So they rarely said the name Yahweh or Jehovah. They referred to him most often as Lord. Now listen to what he said again. David is saying this. The Lord said to my Lord. God said to Jesus, to the Christ, to the Messiah. Do you see that? Jesus said, David said, to my Lord, the one that I will worship for eternity. God the Father said to my Lord, listen to what he said, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. That's what God said to Jesus. That's what God said to the Messiah. That's what God said to the Christ. What is he saying? Before David, I was. I have been for an eternity. I am God in human flesh. I was there when the world was created. I was there when Adam and Eve sinned. I was there when we called Abraham to be the father of a great nation. I am who I am. So David himself was referring to Jesus long before Jesus was born. And then finally, we see the testimony of Peter. If you have your Bibles with you, turn back to John 16. And I want to end with this because this is critical. Jesus said, but what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? That's the question. And here's the answer of Peter. Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. He's right. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by, by my Father in heaven. We cannot claim to know God unless God chooses to reveal himself to us. We cannot say Jesus is Lord by faith unless God first works in our hearts. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by, by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome I will give you the keys. And he goes on, and then finally, we read on, and what he says is this, as you see here in verses 15, uh, as we read on. Listen to what he says. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If you say this morning, Jesus you are who you claim to be. Jesus, I believe you are who you claim to be. Then the call of Jesus to you is this. Be my disciple. Be my disciple. 
What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? It means to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. What does it mean to deny yourself, take up your cross? The cross represented death. What he's saying is our old nature that is rooted in sin must die. We must be we must rise with Christ, be risen with Christ spiritually in such a way that now we begin to see how it is that God is calling us to live. I must deny that which is in my carnal old nature, that which wants to promote myself in the world, my needs, my desires, my wants, my agenda. I have to deny that, put it to death, because only then can I follow Jesus. If I don't deny myself, I will live according to how I want the life to go for me. A disciple does not do that. A disciple says, it's not about me, it's about him. I will deny myself, take up my cross, and I will follow him fully with my life. Because that is the example of Jesus. We see it in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus did not want to suffer and yet Jesus continued to allow himself to endure the cross. We read in the Gospel of Luke that the strain was so great upon him in the Garden of Gethsemane that he sweat blood. He was under so much duress because he could have left. He could have fled, but he didn't. He stayed. Why? Because he denied himself, took up his cross, and followed God. Friends, that's what a disciple is. A disciple denies themselves, take up, takes up their cross, and follows Jesus. Then listen to what he says. For whoever would save his life, live for himself, will lose it. Who am I? If I define myself in light of the values of the world, I will live for myself. And Jesus said, when I live for myself, I will lose myself. I will become something God, the creator, never intended me to be. There will be a sense deep in my soul that something is wrong because I am not what I was made to be. I will lose myself. But whoever loses his life for me, Jesus said, whoever takes up their cross, denies himself, will find their life you'll begin to live with the harmony of being what God made you to be. Even in the midst of suffering and difficulty, you will know, no, life is right. Because I know who I am in Christ. I know who I am and where I'm going. And then he says this, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? This question, who is Jesus, is the most important question you will ever answer. Then you can answer the question, who am I? And where am I going? But now I understand it in light of my relationship with God. And I end up in a very different place. Will you pray with me? Father, we ask that you would Bless your people. Lord, we have traveled in some very deep waters this morning. But God, we want to, we want to understand your truth.
and live your truth. Lord, it is not our desire this morning to live for ourselves. It's our desire to be disciples who follow in the footsteps of our Messiah, our Christ, the one who died for us. Lord, my prayer is that if there are any here who have never said yes to you, that they would say yes to you this morning as you reveal yourself to them. God, show yourself. Show yourself. And Lord, may they believe in the one who truly is the great I am. And Lord, I pray for those of us who, who have said yes to that many years ago. But Lord, we have walked in a, we've walked astray or we realize this morning that we're not living for Jesus. We're not denying ourselves. We're not taking up the cross. We're living for ourselves. Lord, may we, may we see that and may we choose by the power of the Spirit to live in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.